Welcome to December 2018's edition of A Cup of Joel. This podcast is entitled The Importance of Different Perspectives. Joel and I talk about a lot of things on this podcast, and it's a really fun podcast. I had a really good time recording it, but we mainly um, talk about the difference between the accounts of Matthew and the accounts of Luke in regards to the birth of the Savior. And it's very, very fascinating to look at those. So make sure that you listen to this podcast and then jump back over and read those accounts and really see what we were talking about. Um, And I also want to give a little plug to write us some viewer emails. We want to know what you think about the podcast. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, and it would just really make Joel's day. Nobody wrote us for this episode. So we talk about that a little bit. It's funny at the end. So enjoy this. Have a very Merry Christmas, and we will see you in the new year. This is the ACAL Life a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are, and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry, and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. All right, welcome to December, Joel. Have you had snow yet in, th- in North Carolina? We've had snow here. It is here. raining as we speak. We have not had any snow yet. You had snow in St. Louis. I saw on the news. Yes, we did. Yes. A, a nice one too. Not just a dusting, but several yes. inches. Yes, school was canceled. Greg's work was closed. Wow. By 10 o'clock, the roads were fine, of course. Yes, but, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's how it, yeah. it goes here. We canceled the first snowflake. So, of course, well, <laughs> after the two hurricanes we had come through here, I'm done with nature for a while. So you yeah. can have some nature now. <laughs> Boy, give us yes. a break. I'm hoping we get some good snow this winter. So, you know, I have an interesting, a couple interesting stories for you. Um, today's podcast okay. is going to be a potpourri. Okay. We'll probably never get around to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that's okay. <laughs> um, as our listeners are aware, we had two hurricanes come through North Carolina uh-huh. in September and October hurricane season. Yeah. Um, hurricane Florence, which the whole world knew about, which, which where I live never showed up. We were all prepared, bread, food, water, and then nothing. Right. Then a week later, Hurricane Michael hit the Florida panhandle and none of us thought it would ever make it up here and it did, and we all lost power. Okay. Well, unbeknownst to your listeners, our listeners, like three weeks later, the main water line that comes out of the water filtration plant to feed the whole city of Chapel Hill broke. Not one of those tributary lines, the like five foot across main. Nice. We were on water advisory alerts. We were on boil alerts for two days. We were this close. My fingers are really close together, listeners, um, (laughs) to lose water for a whole week because apparently if the water levels drop to a certain amount, the whole system goes into a vapor lock 
And it's like rebooting a mainframe, not into impossible. The university had to shut down for two days, not because we'd had no water to flush toilets, but because there wasn't enough water pressure to run the sprinkler systems. And for safety reasons, they had to cancel public schools, the university. The hospital had to cancel all its, um, uh, not mandatory, but- Elective. Elective surgeries. Thank you, elective <laughs> surgeries. The hospital and university are livid that there's no redundancies built into our water system that we all have to just shut down because of one big break. My point to our listeners, which is a gospel point, is this. The parable of 10 virgins. We had a warning that the bridegroom was coming, you know, hurricane, and it didn't happen. But then we had two immediate disasters that we weren't warned about. One was a half warning, Michael's hitting Florida, but the water line no one saw. Uh But water line caused us to boil water, and the second hurricane caused us to lose electricity. My message to my ward was, you never know. You think you know that's the disaster. Let's get ready for it. And sometimes it is. Right. But in this case, Megan, we had two disasters that followed it. No warning. And if you didn't have water, you didn't have gas, you were toast. Yeah. Do you have gas? <laughs> Do you have gas? Um, the gas stations ran dry. Oh, gas stations. I thought you meant like gas to cook. No, yeah, yeah. We had, yeah. That, they actually never lost gas because all those lines are underground. Right. So they never got damaged no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I, don't know, I just thought that was kind of a mini gospel lesson in action right there. Yes. Be prepared. Totally. I'm glad you moved there and not me. <laughs> Although I'm sure it's coming for me at some point. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. We all get it. <laughs> we all get it. We you're, all so get you're it. telling me that I should probably fill the big, huge water gallon buckets I have in my basement that have been in my basement for four years and are empty? Yes, yes, you should. Yes. And have some sort of water filtration pills, purification pills. I'd be scared to touch that water after two, three weeks. (laughs) And some device to get the lid off if you've screwed a lid on or cap. Well, we have those big blue drums, you know, and yes. you're supposed to like sanitize them first with like bleach water yes. and then you rinse them out, which we've done, but then we never filled them. Yes. So yes. perhaps we will make that a priority in the next week or two. Or you could build a swimming pool and get rid of the barrels. True. A swimming pool could be your water storage. <laughs> I don't know that I want to drink chlorinated water. Or salt water, if we got a salt water pool. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Second story for you. Okay. Uh, My wife has been gone for 12 days now. Uh, Our son lives abroad with his employment, and she went to visit him. Mm -hmm. Go abroad, you know, go big or don't go. (laughs) It's be like a three-day trip and turn around. So she's gone for two weeks. Um, and it is a good thing that our podcast, Megan, is not uh, broadcast over, you know, television. Uh, because I will go to my grave saying men love it when their wives go away for two nights. Okay. Because on night number one, you own the remote, you can eat junk food, you can stay up late watching all the Arnold movies that the wife won't watch with you. It's Nirvana. Second night, you get to do it again. That's great. 
But the third morning, the next morning, you're like caveman. <laughs> I haven't touched a vegetable or a piece of fruit in two weeks. And this includes Thanksgiving. <laughs> My plate consisted of turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, all three soaked in gravy, and then nice. pie and ice cream. Nice. I just touch a single vegetable. <laughs> Did my wife leave me vegetables in the fridge? Yes. Am I a grown man? Me too. My Me too movement. <laughs> I can cook my own fruits and vegetables. Thank you very much. But have I? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a slug. I'm a sloth. Why do you think that is, Joel? Why do you think you turn into a sloth? I, I, it's, it's inherent in my DNA. I'm going I'm to say it's because we're men. And you can't counter me because you're not a man. Because this is how men are. We're just not wired that way. That's why we get married. So we'll eat vegetables. <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll take care of that when you come when she comes back into oh, town. Big time. When big does time. she come back? She gets back Monday night. Oh, good. Good, good. So Have you talked to her at all? Has she been having a good oh, time? Oh, every other day. Um, she's in Africa and uh, connections are hit and miss there. Mm-hmm. We really take for granted Wi-Fi in the United States of America. We take a lot of stuff for granted right. in the United States of America. Yes. If Heavenly Father wants to bring this country to its knees, he doesn't need to send snow to you and hurricanes to me. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just needs to knock out those um, communication satellites orbiting. Yeah. Yes, we would be toast. We'd all be wandering around like zombies, wondering what to well, do without yes, our phones. Yes, we would. And sadly, it wasn't 20 years ago that none of this existed. Right. And I subscribed to a newspaper. Maybe you did. We watched Dan Rather give us the news. Yeah. And it was life. Yeah. Tom Lake. Yeah. You may not have heard about it till Sunday or the following Sunday. Yeah. Now, if we don't know in 10 seconds what's going on, we freak out. Yeah. But we still get it wrong. That's the thing. Even with all that instantaneous news, we get it wrong. Yes. So did you have a good Thanksgiving, though? Yeah, I went over to some friend's house who took pity on me. My dysfunctional family did not get together, so I went over to some friend's house. <laughs> well, I invited you here, but you didn't. You, you didn't did? Yes. Dad and I at that. So you could have driven. You're too kind. <laughs> well, I have some questions for you, Megan Tilton. Yes, I'm excited. Today's podcast is about you. It's about high time I interviewed you for a change. You kind Let's of did last time. You kind of did well, last time true. a little bit. That's true. We go back and forth. Yeah. Um, I did not participate in the Prophets um, Women's Conference Challenge. I'm not sure what it's called out there in <laughs> all the streets. Um, um, I could have. Nothing stopped me from reading the Book of Mormon. But, hey, I'm male. I'm not female. So <laughs> I didn't. Um, tr- truth or dare, you're going to pick truth. Okay. Um how let's start with let's start with the social media challenge mm-hmm. i've heard some gossip on my end about it um, but you go first okay well actually i did a whole podcast on my podcast about the social media challenge oh very good and uh it was saturday night when yes. that was given and i just decided i better do it now like immediately or I'm going to struggle because my business is online, right? So I have to be different than what the prophet had in mind, but please continue. Right. But I just thought if I'm going to go 
all in, I just have to go all in. And I'm kind of in a stage of my business where I could do that. Like okay. there's not like a ton. It's not like people are knocking down my door every day wondering, oh, they are. where are you? Where are you? Anyway, <clears throat> so I went off for 10 days and um, I was supposed to be starting my Facebook ads and everything and I delayed those and okay. and everything. And I loved it. I yeah. really, really loved it. And I what put in... Love? So th these were kind of the things that came out of it. I felt like I had a lot more creativity in my own business and in my own life because I wasn't watching everybody else's going, oh my Excellent. gosh, like why is that? Look at how awesome they're doing and I'm not doing that and maybe I should do that. And, you know, I had some other ideas come to me yeah. that were kind of freeing. And it was just um, liberating not to... I think social media is kind of... Um, like eating junk food. Yes. <laughs> to, be, yes. to use your analogy, it is not vegetables and fruit, for sure. No. Agreed. And so yeah. it's fun. Like it's fun and it's- And junk food is fun, that's yes. right. Yeah. And so in small doses, I think it's yes. great and it's great, but I I have a really hard time with social media because I, and I'll totally admit this to my listeners, like I instituted some guidelines afterwards and I haven't abided by those. It's been really, really hard. But it was easy when like a prophet of God, who I believe speaks for God, was like 10 yes. days. I'm like, okay, I'll totally do it. I'm 100% yes. on board. Um, I felt like I was happier in my life because I wasn't comparing myself. Um, yes. I wasn't totally into all of that. What were some other things I'm forgetting? Because I had a whole Let list. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts I yeah. heard on mine. Yeah, I want to hear uh, now, you know, I guess we should probably say, I'm sure there are folks who participate in the challenge who it wasn't all that meaningful to them. I mean, that's just bound to happen. Right. Um, you know, and fair enough, you know, different things touch different people in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that is perfectly normal and, and fine. Um, and I guess it would stand to reason that the women who would express themselves vocally in groups who have testimonies weren't going to come out and say, you know, I never got anything out of that one. Mm -hmm. Maybe they kept it to themselves. I, I never heard anything to, like that from the women that talked to me. Right. Um, but um, of the few women who did speak out, including one woman who gave a testimony I'm going to tell you about, they all reiter reiterated just what you said. And when the, this one woman gave her testimony as, about this, mm -hmm. she said, she discovered that because of social media, she wasn't entirely uh, living where she was. Mm -hmm. Her family and friends were in Utah. She's out here going to college by herself. And she was longing to be elsewhere. And she was living their lives with them as they posted about it on social media. Mm -hmm. And when she got off of it for 10 days, she realized she wasn't living in the present in her presence, mm -hmm. she wasn't living in her now. She was missing out on her life and she didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. Now, again, listeners can be on social media and not be that way. Just like you can smoke a cigarette for two weeks and not be addicted, but someone else will be addicted. Mm -hmm. Different vices and things hit different people different ways. Mm -hmm. But I've had a number of people, you, my own wife, some friends, We've all said, wow, 
by and large, that's a colossal waste of time. By and large, I'm not better off knowing what I've known by reading what I just read. And they're not reading anything bad or evil. It's not like mm -hmm. dirty. It's just like, oh, you went out to dinner and had lasagna. Why do I need to know that? Right. Oh, look, your kid drew a picture at school. Oh, your kid said something cute. There's a, like you said, there's a place for that. That's what Christmas card letters are all about. Okay. Um, people are discovering they don't need a Christmas card letter every day, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of what social media can be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that that uh, observation by that woman is really interesting because when I was on my mission, I got to a point where I started to only open my mail on P-Day because when I would open my mail, like especially a letter from my parents, yeah. I would be home like while I was reading yes. it and then I'd get to the end of the letter and I'm like, oh, I'm still here. And that was really hard. And so yes. I just was like, I'm just going to open it on P-Day so that I can be here during the week and not focus on that yeah and it was helpful and but i think the same is true like with social media right you're in somebody else's life yes. you're trying to live a virtual reality yes and so, yes yes yeah. and, I, and i'll give you a, a tangible example to your mission story that just shows that you know we're all different our son sam went to south america on his mission and while he was thousands of miles away he was in the same time zone as, as we were. Mm -hmm. And we realized his patterns when he would get on on his P days. Mm -hmm. And we could get on this email at the same time. Megan, every week for his most of his mission, we talked back and forth mm -hmm. once a week. Yeah. And it never bothered him or affected his mission at all. Or we would have put a stop to it. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it was, it was kind of helpful for him to check in. You're doing great. And it but again, I would not recommend that. I'm certainly saying that's the rules or whatever. Right. Oh, what a coincidence. You're on right now. Hello, how are you doing? Are you eating well? Are you sick? I should have been. Right. Um, well, hooray for the prophet. Did you uh, do the Book of Mormon challenge? Yes, we are doing it right now. My yes. daughter and I are doing it together. We are behind because we have not Life. kept it up. But well, that was a brutal challenge. Seven and a half pages a day. My yeah. wife and daughters are dying as well. <laughs> yes, but we're going to do it. It's going to yes. happen. And I yes. and I like it. I like that time actually to be able to read with her, especially. Yes. Because she's never read the whole Book of Mormon. She's only 13. And so yes. uh, I think this is a good thing for her. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed that part. Well, so. that is excellent. And I'm glad you said that. It's good for our listeners to know, you know, when that challenge was issued, I thought, maybe you thought, okay, you know, your testimony of the Book of Mormon will increase by this reading. Mm -hmm. And for some of our listeners, perhaps that has happened. But in your case, I don't know if you saw that benefit you just articulated. Hey, I had time with my daughter. Put the testimony of the Book of Mormon aside. I had sacred time with my daughter mm -hmm. that I would not have had without that challenge. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. Yeah. And it's so much so that I'm like, I'm going to do this with all of my kids when they're in yes. eighth grade. I think it's because she's yes. in eighth grade. She's going to go to high school next year. I'm like, this is yes. a great thing to do with my kids is yes. maybe say in September right. is like, we're going to read the Book of Mormon yes. know, before the end of the year. And 
yes. like, sit down and make it a challenge. So yes, and, and in fact, I, I, now you've got me thinking. I'm just talking out loud. I wonder if he had issued that same challenge with four additional months tied to it, if you would have had that type of quality time. No, because then if you only read one page a day, I like mother daughter time is on one page a day. You both read it, you go about your lives. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. the condensedness of it brought to the surface mother-daughter time excellent yeah well now that we're behind we're gonna have a lot of mother-daughter time yes you are yes like you three are three times a day <laughs> my wife uh, the the canadian mm -hmm. uh, was gonna part of that challenge the prophet said was marked with like a highlighter uh, all the mentions of the savior mm -hmm. and she got out her book of mormon that she always studies with to start that and i said you might not want to do that <laughs> Get one of those dollar copies that the missionaries pass out. Mm -hmm. um, just because you might, just just don't use your good copy for that. Right. So she, did. she used a, she is using this dollar copy. And she went, Joel, holy cow. I'm marking up multiple verses on every single page. I always knew the Book of Mormon was about the Savior, but I had no idea the Book of Mormon was about the Savior. Mm -hmm. Holy yeah. cow. That has been an enlightenment to her. Yeah. Awesome. Good. That's great. How about, yeah. uh, is, is, uh, Christy now attending her release society meetings more vigilantly? That was also part of the challenge. Uh, but she's in the release society presidency. So that was well, never a problem. There you go. Her. I yeah. can't cause I'm in primary. So yes, that's right. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting because I do think it's a problem. I think that a lot of women don't go to relief society and they don't see the benefits of relief society. Cause I think it's right. just, Oh, it's just people sitting around judging me or talking about things that I'm not really interested in or have, or have heard like 20 million times. But I'm yeah, like, or talking about raising children, which I don't have or no longer have. Right. I've heard that. But I think, no, that's not why Relief Society is there. It's for a sisterhood. And I think women especially need that Correct. sisterhood. And I'm glad that he issued that part of the challenge. You no. Know, have we talked at our previous podcast? I should go back and listen to more of our podcast. <laughs> you <Shame>. should. <laughs> I know. I actually did that once. So I'm like, wow, my voice sounds horrible. <laughs> um, this, have we talked about the two-hour block and what people who skip Sunday school are going to do with themselves now? Well, we remember. did talk about the two-hour blog, but we didn't talk about what people are going to do. Well, okay, you know, there's a phenomenon church-wide. You go to sacrament meeting, then you mm -hmm. hang out in the hallways, and then you go to priesthood or release society. Uh-huh. Well, now there's no priesthood or release society after Sunday school. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what half my ward does. Right. You go to sacrament meeting, then you're just going to go home. You're going <laughs> to hang true. out in the hallways for 50 minutes, <laughs> and then just go home. <laughs> What are you going to do? Well, I Stay guess, if, yeah, I guess if they I have uh, kids in primary, they'll yeah, probably I mean, stay, but who knows what well, they'll do. And it's, 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 a, it's a step towards maturity to really realize that the Holy Ghost is the teacher in the room, not the unqualified person at the podium talking in Sunday school or Relief Society. Mm -hmm. so go to class put up with whatever you got to put up with and let the Holy ghost do some teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think too, I think, I think this is one reason I really love the church is because you're never in one calling forever. Well, right. some people may feel like, I think Karen Wright in our ward is forever like the emergency scout, preparedness scout and scout leader, but that's, that's going to go away <laughs> so her, she can have it get a new her. calling anyway. 
But um, she, uh, well, no, but, uh, oh gosh, what was I going to say? I was talking about, oh. It was good that we're not all in the same calling forever. Yeah, because I think that, you know, you have to go to things to support other people in their callings yeah. because eventually you're going to have that calling. You don't go to, you don't go to gospel doctrine and you don't support that teacher. Well, guess what? You might go be called as a gospel doctrine teacher and then realize what it's like to teach when nobody's there. It's. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. You know, I had a, there was one time where I was in a relief society and the teacher divided the, us into groups. And I'm not really a fan of doing that myself, yeah. but I mean, that was her style and that's what she did and that's fine. Um, but I actually was holding either my baby or somebody else's baby and they started fussing. So I went out and I started walking around outside and I saw like a very seasoned member of our ward who was very spiritual, you know, and she was sitting in her car and she was like, I can't stand it when people divide. So I'm not even going to go. And I just thought, really? Like, that's too bad because you're not supporting this younger sister who's really just right. trying to do her calling and she's not doing it to make you upset. But now you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm too good for that. Yes. Like, I'm too good for that version. And I just think that's just a shame, you know, because it is a shame. It is a shame. That's not the Here's way it's a meant to be. Tip for you and your listeners. Okay. Of, of the 99 things I did wrong, I always got one right. And this is one of the ones I got right. Okay. I can't tell you the number of times my five kids, when they were teenagers, I'd haul them to Mutual or Young Men, Young Women, or whatever it's called these days. And they would go, I don't want to go. It's boring. Or the activity they knew about ahead of time is boring. Mm -hmm. I loved it when they said that because I got to say my classic line back, which was, oh, oh, where in the scriptures does it say this is about you and your fun? We're going to support the activity. We're going to support whoever planned that activity. Yeah. And maybe you will get nothing out of it. I'm not saying it's exciting. I agree with you, child. It is a boring activity and you will be miserable. Right. But maybe somebody else, another kid will benefit by your presence. Maybe you will say something that will oh. benefit someone else. And that's why you are going to this. <laughs> right. And I've got, they're all adults now and they've become their father's kid. <laughs> We're going to the activity. Even though it's the, they call me the dad. There's a ward party tonight. We were so tired, but I said, we got to go to the activity. We got to go support the activity. It's not about us. Yeah, it's true. So there you go. It is true. Oh. I totally concur. All right. Well, shall we talk about why we got together to begin with? Yes, we should. Are we out of time? We totally have time. This is our <laughs> Christmas episode. Delayed. We could like go for hours. This oh, is I know. Our, our listeners really love that too, don't they? <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure. I'm glad we had this other stuff to talk about. I'm not so sure this last bit about the New Testament um, warrants an entire podcast, but it's, it's kind of an interesting, um, you know, little exercise in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're different and sometimes diametrically of opposite views of our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. Had you read Matthew 1 and 2, yes. hard to separate your knowledge of Jesus because you, you know Jesus and you right. know Luke. Right. But having read Matthew 1 and 2, pretending you never heard it from a man and you never read the Luke story, what's your view of Jesus described in Matthews chapter one and two. Okay. So mine basically came from the lineage parts. 
Uh-huh. Like my, um, you kind of told me your thoughts on it, so I was reading it in that light as well. But I know that you talk about how Matthew really delineates out the heritage or the lineage of Christ, like who yes. he came from. But this was the important, and I have a couple questions because I think this is really interesting. So he goes yeah. through all the people that lead up to him. He talks about King David. Yep. And I think that was interesting because um, he begat Solomon, who was of Urias's wife, Bathsheba, yep. right? That was her yep. name, right? And yep. so basically he was an adulteress that was a child of adultery yes. in and of itself. Not really yes. technically, but yes. No, no, no. And then the lineage is that of Joseph. It's not of Mary. And Jesus did not come, is not Joseph's son. Right. Which I think is so interesting. Very interesting. It is not a biological genealogy. Mm -hmm. So what's Matthew trying to do here? Yeah, what is he? I'm curious to hear what you have to say. When you read the first two-thirds of Matthew chapter 1, you're right. It's boring genealogy. And Fred begat Sam, and Sam begat Joe, Joe begat Ed, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is three groups of 14 people in this genealogy. There's 14 prophets intermixed with 14 um, kings. Mm-hmm. When I say prophets, I mean patriarchs. Patriarchs are prophets. 14 of them, 14 kings, and then 14 of those names are just unknown. We don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So Matthew is, um, is up to something. And then when you read the rest of chapter 1 and you read chapter 2, what do you see? Well, you've got the birth of, of the Savior, but how is it described? Well, it's you've not got- even described. He just jumps like the baby was born. Yes, yes. Like he doesn't even say yes. anything about his birth. <laughs> yes, yes. That's half the story. We'll get to that. Right. What do we get? You start with these three magi. Now, we sing the hymns and we watch the little claymation shows. And, you know, we don't. nobody knows what a magi is. And nobody knows how many magi there are or were. Mm-hmm. There were three gifts given, so we assume there were three magi. Um, tradition holds, and it's probably true that these were three scholars, um, astronomers, mm-hmm. um, kingly types, and there could have very well been women intermixed with the men. Uh, we just don't know. But what we do know is they called on Herod, who is a king, and had an audience with him. So I assume they're not garbage men and postal workers. Not that there's anything wrong with garbage men and postal workers, mm-hmm. but who gets an audience with a king? a fellow king or kings in this case. Mm -hmm. So we've got three kingly types coming from the East, calling on a king to inquire about the birth of another king Mm -hmm. who is the king of all kings. And then when they go to see this newborn king, who we all know is like two or three years old at this point, Mm -hmm. they give him way expensive gifts. Mm-hmm. just, you know, top of the line stuff that you give. You don't even give that to your regular king. These are top of the line primo king gifts. And then they bow down to this king of kings. Mm-hmm. And then they leave the stage, bypass Herod, and then Matthew moves right on into Jesus as an adult. Mm-hmm. 
when you read this narrative in isolation, there's no shepherds, there are no angels, there's no filthy, dirty manger full of manure and flies. Mm -hmm. There's no Mary. There's no unwed pregnant Mary. Mm -hmm. There's no unwed pregnant Mary riding on a donkey at nine months. Mm -hmm. I've never, have you ever done that? Megan, you've been pregnant. <laughs> uh, no, no, thank you. Yes. Man. When I noted this to, to the wife, the Canadian, her, her immediate comment was, or even just Matthew, where's the humility? You know, we sing in, you know, Jesus wants of humble birth. There ain't no humble birth in Matthew. Mm -hmm. Matthew, through the lineage and the story of, of Jesus's birth, is got a very narrow focus, which is this man is a king. He is the king of kings, and I am tying him back to the greatest Jewish king of all, which is David, and I'm tying him back to the greatest prophet or patriarch of all Judaism, which is Abraham. And you see all the stories of, of Jesus and the, the 40, you know, the, the, the fast and um, the killing of the innocents and wandering in the wilderness and all the things that Abraham did. Matthew writes about Jesus in terms that makes you think, oh, he's tying him back to Abraham or he's tying him back to Moses, the great lawgiver, or he's tying him back to David. Mm -hmm. I, I think Matthew has got a, a real agenda here which is trying to convince his readers, stop looking for the king. He, he, he's already come mm -hmm. and, and it's Jesus. And he was, here's all the reasons why he is the greatest prophet and the greatest king. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that that just shows that, uh, you know, it's important to have a lot of different accounts of maybe yes. the same thing because we don't get that from Luke. Right. Right. Luke has a totally different spin on it. Yes. And yet I think this was a really interesting exercise to actually go through and read it from that standpoint, like where you're like, oh, yeah, there is no stable mentioned here. There's no mention of, yeah, an unwed mother. There's no mention of the Holy Ghost coming down and right. him being, you know, there's no mention of any of that, that he was just this king that people came and worshipped. And Correct. And once you get into Matthew 3, 4, and 5, Jesus is giving the law. Mm -hmm. Again, tying you back to Moses, tying you back. Mm -hmm. Matthew continually writes in the narr his narrative to make you think, oh, this, this man is greater than Moses. This man is greater than David. Yeah, an interesting little exercise, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I wonder why he did that, though. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know that he wants to set him up as a king, right? Yeah. But I think it's interesting that in that t day and age, like how important lineage was. But right. really in him doing that, I think it like says, see, lineage isn't really that important because he's not even of that line. Right. Christ isn't even of that line. I mean, correct. biologically, he is not of that line. That's right. He it lived was, in that uh, house. A, but a title lineage. I suppose you could say. You know, you, you tie our current president to Obama, to Ronald Reagan, to Abraham Lincoln. You, know, you have a lineage of presidents. You have a lineage of kings. You have a lineage of prophets. And not always biological. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could spend a whole college semester 
going deep into what's going on here in the New Testament. I'll blow our readers' minds with a couple of quick comments. So we'll hang up real fast. And, <laughs> and, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not follow Jesus around with a pen and paper in hand, writing down everything he did. And that was the narratives we got. Right. In fact, a lot of scholars question whether Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not so much know about John, could even read and write. Um, these were poor people mm-hmm. who were fishermen and whatever they did. And reading and writing and that kind of schooling just wasn't among the commoners. Um, the stories were passed down orally. Um, and then as the gospel spread out, the stories spread out till it got to the Greeks. The Greeks could read and write. And they wrote down the story. We don't know who wrote down the stories, but somebody wrote down these oral narratives. And, and that's why the earliest written documents we have of New Testament fragments are all in Greek. Mm-hmm. New Testament cast of characters all spoke Aramaic not Greek. So you know what happens when you tell a story orally and then it says it's told orally again and then it's told orally again, you know, and then we had the sacking of Jerusalem and the temple getting destroyed in 70 AD. And sometime around then, these narratives start getting written down. Mm -hmm. So I suspect Matthew is trying to convince some people in somewhere between 60 and 90 AD. Well, it's not Matthew. Whoever wrote it down attributed his narrative to the Matthew oral stories that kept going up through his family or his friends. But hey, stop looking for a king. Stop. It's, it's already happened. Mm-hmm. In fact, the king is even better than any king that we currently have or you could possibly imagine. And through my written narrative, I'm going to prove it to you. Right. That's awesome. Okay. I think that's what's going on there. Okay. So now how about Luke? Why did he do it that way? He did like the poor. Yeah, that's right. Luke's narrative is entirely different, but it's not opposite. They're both talking about the same person and they're both completely accurate in how they're describing him. Mm -hmm. Jesus's birth did happen the way Matthew described it. Matthew just left out some details that weren't pertinent to his point, his purpose. Mm -hmm. Luke's purpose is entirely different. Luke is if you read the book of Luke, you come to the conclusion that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor and the needy, and the rich have no place in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was born to the poor. He was born of poor people, mm-hmm. and his mission was to the poor. Mm-hmm. And all his parables were about poor people. Mm-hmm getting what's coming to them, which was wonderful things. Um, And the rich, whether it's not Lazarus, not the Mary Martha Lazarus, but the parable Lazarus who's in hell and water on his burnt tongue and rich people going through the camel's eye, you know, story after story, Jesus was saying wealthy because of their misguided loyalties don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. But the poor do, because they will listen to God. They will listen to me. Mm-hmm. So Luke is trying to say, 
This man was poor and he came to the poor and the kingdom of God is us. We have to take care of the poor. The whole parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, Jesus said, you know, you can't get to heaven because you didn't clothe me, you didn't feed me, you didn't buy my wounds. And everyone's going to say, we never saw you. Did you stub your toe? When did you break your arm? When were you hungry? I would have fed you. There's no, you didn't feed the poor. You didn't bind up the wounds of the poor. You didn't help the poor. That's how you help me. You create the kingdom of God amongst yourself. You do that, and I will be there with you. Mm-hmm. That's the narrative of Luke. Mm-hmm. So do you think that he's basically saying, like, if you're rich, you're, you're a lost cause? I think that's exactly what he's saying. And modern-day prophets have elaborated that, again, the love of money is the root of all evil. And the Mitt Romneys don't have a problem as long as their heart's in the right place. But Mitt, just like Megan and Joel, better be feeding the poor and clothing the naked and binding up the wounds of the sick. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Jesus said we all have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that really comes down to to what extent, right? Do you know what I mean? Because like... I don't. What do you mean? Well, I mean, like... Should I sell my house and go live in an apartment so that I can feed the poor and bind up the wounds? And Right, right. Like, yes, that's the, that? yes, the rich young man who came to Jesus and asked that very question. And Jesus mm-hmm. said, sell all your belongings and give to the poor. That is not to be, I know you're setting up a softball question. That's not to be taken literally, because if it was literal, the man who sold, if he did sell his possessions, he would then be poor and get all his possessions back. Mm-hmm. It's a circular argument. Yeah, this is kind of a side tangent that we're going off on, but I think that that's it's an important one because I think that there's these two competing uh, messages, right? Because especially in the church today, like we're supposed to give, we have a lot of resources that go to helping people yes. in need and giving to the poor, and we have these great, you know, storehouses full of food and relief yeah. effort and all of that. And yet, at the same time, we're like, you need to be self-reliant. You need to provide this for yourself. You need to not rely on other people for your substance right. and your well-being in life. Like, you need yes. to take care of that. And I just think, where is that, you know, it's like a floating line, right? Because yes. for some people, like, I think, like, I don't know, Mitt Romney, we'll just use him because he's come up. but. Yeah. Like, I don't know him personally. I mean, he has some very nice homes. He has a lot of money. But I feel like he's also giving back in a lot of ways and trying to do. But he still provides really nice things for his family. So it's like, where is that? Like, do I never take a vacation to Hawaii? Do I never, you know, take my get anything nice for my family? Do I always wear hand-me-downs? Do I always kind of live subpar so that I can do that? Or... Like, where right? is that line? It's very yes. interesting, right? Yes, so... it is. And in the end, the answer, there's a, an answer to that beautifully phrased dilemma you just articulated. And I think, Megan, we've commented on this every single podcast. The Holy Ghost yes. will steer you right. Yes. The yes. If you're going to Hawaii or whatever, and your motives aren't Christ-centered, he will tell you. And then you don't go. 
Right. Or he will say, go, have a good time. God created Hawaii. He made it. Go right. see what he did. Go right. have a good time. Yeah. That's no, that's no problem. And lest we think, you know, midst the one that got to worry and you and me don't, you know, you served your mission in South Korea. My son served in Peru. All of the United States of America is rich Lazarus. You, me, and everybody. So yeah. is the whole continent of North America doomed because of our God-given wealth? Of course not. But where much is given, much is required. So take your wealth, riches, I'll take mine, follow the Holy Ghost, and give back. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, That's I re- Luke's message, give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that he, it's interesting the lineage that he gives, right? Because he just talks about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Yeah. And Zacharias was, was he a high priest? It says he was a priest, yes. but he was a high yes. priest, so he was yes. important in the church. But there wasn't very much lineage given of who they right. were. Like they were just these people who served in the church, not really of a whole lot of notoriety. Some because he was a high priest, but right. not, you know. And I just think that it was just really interesting how that was the lineage. And they talk a lot about Elizabeth. They talk about John, her pregnancy with John and yeah. her connection with Mary. Yep. Right. And then what it was like for Joseph to take on Mary, you know? And I wonder, yes. like, I'm like, he knew she was pregnant, but did everybody else? Because she would have been shunned in that society. Oh, they got married within a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. As soon as the angel came, he said, marry her, but don't know her to speak in biblical terms. So right. She was certainly a virgin at birth. Yeah. But she was a married woman at birth. Right. Yeah. So did anybody else know that she was pregnant? by the Holy Ghost? Or was it just Joseph? That's always was, what I remember. Yeah, I think it was just Joseph. Uh-huh. I don't think, yeah, no one would have believed him. I assume they would have been stoned had they even breathed the word of it. Right, yeah. Interesting, very interesting, that whole thing. And yeah, just how important I think, I think also what came out, which is just a kind of a side note, is the importance of birth to women like that was like kind of their worth back then, yep. you know, because yep. Elizabeth talks about, you know, I'm finally pregnant, so I won't have yes. to deal with the reproach of men, like this disgust or this fault that they found with her because she couldn't get pregnant and just all of that. So very interesting. Well, a talk for another day. I'm going way off my um, comfort <laughs> level here. Has that changed even to today? I mean, I, I know of couples who are childless and who are doing in vitro. There's a couple in our ward that it just failed and the woman is crestfallen. And I'm sure the husband's disappointed that he is not showing the, the, the anguish that she is showing. She wants to conceive and bear a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a real struggle for so many women. And I think it's because you know that you're the one that has to carry the baby, right? And so if it doesn't, if your body isn't accepting that and it doesn't work for you, then you're the one that's broken, you know, and you're the one that's inhibiting the ability for you to have, as a couple, to have children. So that is hard. I mean, I've, I've had two miscarriages and they weren't 
my it, it was nothing to do with me it was just genetics of the baby right. but still that was hard that was a real yep. um hard point for me yeah. where i was like okay like the first one i could kind of chalk up to statistics like i'm like right. statistically it it's amazing anybody's born quite frankly right. but um you know, the second one, I was like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. <laughs> like this, or not that it was ever funny, but this is like beyond what I really want to deal right. with. And I, mine is so minor compared to what so many other women go to go through that yeah. it is a real struggle. And I think that that's a struggle for women to be able to go. My worth is not in what I produce in terms of children, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that goes even for women who have children and then women, the children are terrible and make right. terrible choices. Like yeah. it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with you. Yeah. I guess my point here is it seems to affect women differently than men, which stands to reason. Yeah. Men who are unable to conceive because they're sterile or whatever. Right. It bothers them. But I don't, on the men's side, when they talk about, about women around, I don't see the anguish that I hear from the women's side. Yeah, ah, I've got off on that. Oh, no. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so I think but that Jesus, that's Mary think, had a baby. So yeah, but I think that you're. I really like this topic that you brought up about the difference between Matthew and Luke because yeah. they are very important, right? In in telling the whole story because he is a king. He yes. is the, the savior of everybody. He's the only way that any of us can ever yes. be saved. Is the number one prophet. Yeah. Right. And back then, like we don't have a lot of kings now on earth. We don't aren't ruled by kings, but the king was important. Like he was the one that maintained order yeah. and made sure that everything ran accordingly. And that's why you had all the things that you did was because there was a king in charge. Yeah. And so when a king is not in charge, then it would be absolute mayhem back then. So now, you know, I think yeah. that that's a good thing to remember is that he, Matthew really was like, no, you don't understand. This is really important. And then at the same time, right. Luke is like, no, you don't understand. Like, he's here for everybody. He's here yes. for the poor and he's here for the rich. So that's right. Yeah. Great, great topic for Christmas. So. Well, Merry Christmas, Megan. I hope Santa Claus finds you. With yes. You He'll probably bring me lots of coal, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'll keep you warm with a nuclear intercom. <laughs> oh, let's hope it doesn't ever come to that. So I hope that's not, not my, my emergency life. that I'm my dealing with. Deal with that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, do you have anything for the new year that we're going to discuss? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can do to get this one out. You've oh, had 12 God. days by yourself, Joel, and this you couldn't come Deadlines, up the pressure to do these podcasts is enormous. I'm just crushing me. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll surprise our listeners then maybe in the new year. Have we got any other viewer uh, feedback or viewer mail lately? No, I'm very sad to tell you, Joel. I made a plea on my podcast last week for people <laughs> to write you letters and nobody wrote you a letter. <laughs> such a sad state of, of course <laughs> i'll write my own i'll write my own what a great podcast i don't know who that guy is but holy cow yes i tried to i tried to make a plea for people to write to you and nobody everybody was busy making their thanksgiving dinner that's what i'm oh chalking it up to so. Probably know what, what podcast what are you talking about man probably. i never heard of this yeah i don't think they listen to mine so that's probably why 
My do- I'll leave with this. My daughter listened to an episode. I- I've set them leave my kids' leaks forever. Nothing. Nothing. Finally, my daughter listened to one like six weeks ago. Uh-huh. She wrote me an email. And she's like, Dad, I- I- you really had something make me think. I, I had no idea. See, you should have brought that on the podcast today. Said my yeah, daughter wrote me. Go. So maybe that's you what you... Well, maybe we can make a view, uh, like we can say, okay, viewers or listeners. I always want to say they're viewers, but they're listeners. Listeners. Send us mail and we will talk about it on the podcast in January. Even if you're related to Joel or myself. (laughs) It's okay. Let's do one better. Let's do one better. Okay. I want the names and phone numbers of 10 of your loyal listeners to your other podcasts. And on our podcast, we will phone them. Oh, that would Without be fun. Any warning. That would be it's fun. Insane. What are your thoughts of the last cup of joel? <laughs> and just listen to him, hem and haw. Ha, busted. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be yes. fun. I'd have to figure out how to do that on a podcast. How to call them and have it heard. Yes. All right. Well, we have to continue. Out of silence, speaking. listeners, is 10 people hanging up on us. That's right. That would be exciting because we call them at 630 in the morning when we record these. They'd be home, but they probably wouldn't be awake. So, well, let's talk again Um, when we when we film film (laughs) our January podcast. I'll actually be in Texas visiting that same daughter. Nice. Uh, We'll have her on as a guest. Oh, that would be fun. Let's do it. Yes. Yes. I'm serious. Razzled mother of four. Yes. Oh, I'm a frazzled mother of five. She, yes. She's got to have one more before I have sympathy for her. Yeah, okay, yeah that's right. Her, her faith is, is waning. She's only had four. <laughs> yes, but her kids are much younger. She just had a baby, right? Yes, yeah. She better not get pregnant. I think she'd snap in half. Yeah, the kid's only like six mo- five, six months old, so. Yeah, well, yeah. Not quite a time. I was I was looking at Miller because Miller, our youngest, is almost three. He'll be three this in ah. December. So uh, he, uh, I was like, oh, it's going to be kind of sad to not have a baby, and then it's not going to be kind of sad to not have a baby. <laughs> so it's like Just, mixed emotions. Oh, yes, hold on till he's out of diapers. <laughs> yes, we see and the light. We see you'll it. You'll never Joel. go back. Yes. Never that get out of diapers before you're done having kids because it's brutal. Yeah, that was one thing that we were kind of fortunate about. Christian did get out of diapers before I had Lindsay, but it was still kind of, we were still in that mode. So it wasn't. Were you pregnant when he got out of diapers? Yes. Okay, yeah. so you were, yeah. Okay, it's not like you then tried to have another baby at that no, point. No, Probably would have done it. I have to say, though, I think more than the diapers, it's the car seats. The car oh, seats. golly, those are horrible, too. Yes. Yeah, so it yeah. will it will be nice. I'm going to totally document and put on social media for everybody to be jealous and feel crappy about themselves when yes. my I go on a trip with no car seats. Yes, <laughs> a beautiful podcast. <laughs> Hold on, right. listeners, we're almost there. That's right. So, all right. Well, you, well, Merry Christmas. you too, Joel. We'll talk, talk to, you, to you next month. Okay, friends, that is a wrap for the Cup of Joel 2018. (laughs) 
I hope you enjoy the chats I have with Joel. He is so insightful. He just brings little nuggets of different perspectives to the gospel, and I love my chats with him each month. We are looking forward to bringing you a great 2019, so make sure you come back in January. And like I asked at the beginning of the podcast, please write us your viewer mail so that we can make the episodes better. We can tailor it more to maybe what you want, answer some of your pressing gospel questions, and just be able to know that people are out there listening because we love doing it. All right, everybody, have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2019. Bye-bye.